Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. About 14,000 years ago, as the last ice age came to an end, a giant erratic made of granite from the area of Hudson Bay fell onto the land. The huge rock had been picked up by the ice sheets as they moved south and transported to the area. When the ice melted, the rock found a new home in a field near to where Hazlet is today. The erratic is 3.35 meters high and 9.14 meters long, located 6 kilometers west of Hazlet. Various points of the rock have been rubbed smooth by thousands upon thousands of bison who came through the area over the centuries. The indigenous would use the rock as a marker, as would the settlers who came to the area. I used to live near Hazlet, and I visited Standing Rock, and it's well worth the visit. The area where Hazlet is today was primarily the territory of the Blackfoot, whose land stretched from the southern Rocky Mountains into Manitoba. The Sioux would also have their reaches of their northern territory into the area. As Europeans began to push in from the east, the Métis would begin to settle in the area of Hazlet as well. Before long, the bison herds would disappear due to overhunting by Canadians and Americans, and the indigenous of the area would be pushed to reserves far from the original territory. And today, Hazlet sits on Treaty 4 land. One of the earliest settlers to the Hazlet area had a long and interesting history both before he arrived in the Hazlet area and after. Born in Bode, Norway on April 3, 1878, Peter Hawkness would enlist in the Norwegian Navy and sail down to South Africa where he served in the Ambulance Corps during the Boer War. 
1910, he left his family in Norway and came to Canada, arriving in Saskatchewan and spending the winter in Pence. On March 20th, 1911, he filed his homestead and began his new life as a farmer. Peter would break the land and farm it with horses, and as time went on, he would build three more rooms onto the small homestead shack as he prepared to bring his family over. In 1914, he returned to Norway to bring his family back to Canada, and they would return as a family on May 19, 1915. For the first part of the 20th century, the Hazlet area was known as Pitville, which was chosen by Richard Pierce, who had come from Pitville, England. On January 1, 1913, the RM of Pitville was formed, and David McGee would serve as the first reeve. In 1928, the small community of Hazlet was established as the railroad was built through. The community would eventually become a village on January 1, 1963. One of the first times that Hazlet appeared in a major newspaper was on September 18, 1930, when a big barn owned by a Mr. Fisher burned to the ground outside the community. Oat bundles, which had become overheated in the barn, caused the fire in an article printed in the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. In 1944, Hazlitt would become a pioneer when it comes to universal health care. At the time, Tommy Douglas was the Premier of Saskatchewan and was beginning the journey to create universal health care in the province and eventually Canada. At the time, though, Hazlitt actually had a system created by William Burrock that allowed a person to receive medical and hospital care in the community for only $11 per year or about $180 today. Burke then wanted to spread this throughout the southwest corner of Saskatchewan, and he wrote every town and village in RM, visited newspaper editors, and called public meetings to discuss his health care plan. On August 29, 1945, the Regina Leader Post wrote, quote, Councils of the municipalities included in the organization of the Swift Current Health Region are requested to send a copy of necessary resolution to W.J. Burak Hazlett, Chairman of the Health Region Organization Committee, end quote. This proposed health region that Burrock wanted to organize would include all the municipalities south of the Saskatchewan River. It would cover 90 municipalities in total. Burrock would say, quote, Just as education is free to our children, similarly, medical, hospital, and other health services shall be made available to every person, irrespective of his individual ability to pay. End quote. On November 26, 1945, a majority of people in the region voted for this new health plan. Burke then began to work with the provincial government in creating a more comprehensive program for the region. This was accomplished on July 1, 1946, creating the health care plan that would form as the basis for the province and eventually the country. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. 
ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Throughout the decades, Hazlett was known for being one of the baseball hotbeds of the province. In 1938, for example, the local team won 57 of 64 games, as well as 9 tournaments. Six players on the team batted over 400, which was no small task. The most dominant team in the history of the community came about in the 1980s, though. The Hazlet Elks had begun to play in the South River Baseball League, but after winning consecutive championships from 1979 to 1981, it was decided that the team needed to move to a more competitive league. In October 1981, the team moved into the Saskatchewan Major Baseball League. In the team's first game, they attracted over 400 fans, and even though they finished last in the league that year, they would soon become the best team of the decade in the league. In 1983 and 1984, the team lost in the league final, and even though Hazlet had a population of only 125 people at the time, it was routinely beating communities with many times its population, including the capital of Saskatchewan, Regina. In fact, Hazlet was the smallest community to ever compete in the league. This allowed the team to have four American imports on its roster. The scouting system of the team was so good that several future Major League Baseball players and draft picks would join the roster, including Greg Matthews and Steve Reed. Reed would spend 14 years in the majors, while Matthews would spend seven years. Other players that signed with the team but did not play were Mark McGuire and Randy Johnson. This was all thanks to Larry English, the scout of the Elks who would get notice from the Majors himself when he became a scout for the Minnesota Twins for five years. In 1985 and 1986, the team lost the league semifinal and then won three straight league championships from 1987 to 1989. During this time, the team dominated other teams in the province. Players on the Elks also did very well. Jim Straw, for example, was the most valuable player in the league in 1989 thanks to his 10 homers and 32 runs batted in. The team lost in the playoffs from 1990 to 1991, lost the league final in 1992, and then missed the playoffs in 1993, the team's last season in the league. In Hazlet, you will notice there's a large wind turbine running. The turbine was installed in November 2010 and would become a defining feature of the community. At the time of the installation, Lindsay Alaban would tell the Regina Leader Post, quote, There's plenty of wind in Saskatchewan, so some of the smaller communities will start to realize there could be good cost savings. Sure, up front there's a lot of money, but in the long run, it will be a positive for the rink complex or any building, end quote. The cost for the wind turbine was paid for equally by the federal, provincial, and municipal governments, but the idea for the wind power was homegrown. It was Christy Sletton, the principal of the school at the time that brought the idea to the village and it went off from there. The village received $734,000 in grant money from the Recreational Infrastructure Canada program that went to the ice plant, a cement surface, and a wind turbine. Alaban would say, quote, We're a community that's trying to jump on these new ideas beforehand so we stand out. We want to be a green community, end quote. Rated for 75 kilowatts at 15 meters per second or 54 kilometers per hour wind speed, the wind turbine can reach upwards of 83 kilowatts an hour. The wind turbine also provides power to the community rink, but in the summer the power goes into the grid and Hazlet is given a credit from Sask Power. 
In 2015, the turbine reached 200,000 kilowatt hours of power generated. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Hazlitt, Saskatchewan. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Keelan Pregnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.